Welcome to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LP FM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is November 3rd, 2019, and if it's not where you're listening, then you're listening to a rebroadcast or a podcast of the show and should not try to call in. I'm Doubter 5, and as usual, we have Wombat with us on the phone. Hello, Wombat. Whoa, whoa, it's the Wombat. I'm cleaning up my house today. Oh, good for you. It's and taking guest, forever. <laughs> usually does. And uh, guest, for a special guest, we have Spaghetti Eddie's with us today. Say hello, Spaghetti. Hello, everybody. Nice. Hey. And this is Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. On, it's a call-in talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you get the feeling that you're the only non-believer in Knoxville, well, you're just not. There are several atheist, free-thinking, and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knoxville, and we'll be telling you how you can connect with them right after the mid-show break. Also, did you know that there's an atheist call-in television show broadcasting here in Knoxville and has been for nine years now? Did you know that, Wombat? It is, and it's so good. Listen, it's so good. It's made by the people yeah. who animated BoJack Horseman. And it's huh? on Amazon right now. It's a full series. It's called what? Undone. And I think it's really, no, really good. You should take some no. time to watch it. What are you talking about? No, it's, no, no, no. Larry, it is really huh? good. And I'm tired no, of you shutting really me down. it's really good, but that's not our show. Oh, okay. This is Never awkward. Mind. One of these days you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> we do it on Community Access TV here in Knoxville. It's on Comcast Channel 192, I think. But we'll give you more information about that on, after the mid-show break Give me another well. chance. Give me a chance. Give me another shot. Are you sure you're not talking about the show with the, the four turtles and they each have, like, different colored bandanas on? And... No. Okay, because no, their no, fruit no. snacks just, are delicious. No, no turtles No turtles on the show unless you're talking about turtles all the way down. Then we have those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure whose side I'm supposed to be on. <laughs> Uh, well, we just move on. And in spite, of, <laughs> in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there, and you'll be hearing some of them right here on this program and generally on the station as they are in rotation. And today we have what? Thought experiments? Yeah. Is that right? Thoughtful well, experiments. Or yeah. thoughtful, thoughtfully experimenting with thought experiments. How about that? Cool. Um, tell us have, about that. We have probably the one of the best people to talk about this, probably in the face of the planet, with particularly with regard to how it applies to street epistemology. Uh very own Spaghetti Eddie, who has a channel called Deep Discussions. Ed, it's been it's been such an honor to to watch like all your videos and like your presentations and just see your attempts and and talking to people. I'm really happy to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Welcome. Um, yeah, I've been doing a, sorry. Go ahead. These thought experiments is that like where you like move objects on the desk and stuff like that? That'd be telekinesis, I believe. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, go ahead. Tell us about it. Well. Um, my focus isn't really necessarily like thought experiments, but they just tend to be useful. Hmm. And so when you're having random conversations with people about whatever they want to talk about, uh, you tend to come up with some interesting, um, ways to talk about things. And so you have to kind of come up, come up with it on the fly. And then as you go along through interviews and interviews, you, uh, certain things stick hmm. and you start using them more and more. And so it's, it's definitely, um, something I wouldn't have come up with without someone else. So it's really awesome to get a bunch of ideas from people and then work on it. Um, and then as it applies, use it. 
Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting because you'll start with like just having conversations and then you'll find like this side story that's really, really useful to like diagram what could be a very abstract and and like onerous kind of like explanation. You can make it really simple with just some like colorful examples. And it actually tends out it tends to be the case that they work really well to getting the person who you're talking to to think for themselves. And then you post the video on the YouTube and next thing you know, like other people start using the examples and you're like, whoa, this is catching on. And other people slightly cool. use slightly different versions of your example. And you're like, oh, it's evolving. And then you realize it's kind of like a science of just like, what's the best way for me to explain something to someone without me telling them what the answer is, but for them to figure it out for themselves. Right. Right. Uh, I, so I, what I, what I really like about, um ed's approach and ed's you could you tell me about like street epistemology how long you've been doing it so i've been doing street epistemology for about i want to say a little less than three years wow um, yeah and uh like most uh other SEers, i i watched anthony magnamosco's um videos mm -hmm. and i was like man i think i I think I, I can do this because there was a point where I was watching his videos and I go, Oh, ask that question. And then he asked it. And I was like, oh, I kind of follow this. I, I, I know how this works. Right. And so, and so then I had to do it my, myself and which was like, you know, terrifying at first. Mm. And then, uh, yeah. after, after you get your first couple, then you're like, okay, I got this. Um, and so I've been doing it. It, it really is a hobby for me. I don't spend a lot of time doing it. It's right. like going out three, three times a month, maybe five if I'm lucky. Hmm. Um, and I really have to uh, make the best of my time. So uh, I, I try really hard to um, ask really good questions. Yeah, you so. ask great ones. And and what's cool is everyone has their own style. So like Larry does SE as well. He has his um, Ask an Atheist board, and he, he regularly has been going out to and do talks. Um, I got my channel called Let's Chat. I try to focus on like having a conversational approach. Sometimes I may not even be about religion, and sometimes we might get completely distracted on the, <laughs> on the way down. But what I really like when I watch your videos is you, one, you are an immediately likable person. And I think you're probably the most likable person doing SE right now. Like easily up mo the most unguarded talks that I can I, that I can see. Like it's just so easy going to talk to you. And then the second thing would be you really like to to start conversations with these fun examples where you try out thought ex exercises with people, and you may go into like the tic tac example. I'm, I'm going to say some like uh, keywords here, but you might go into like the OTF tic-tac example ferrari example and a bunch of others before the conversation maybe even starts and i would figure like probably now might be a good idea to like talk about the thought experiments that you personally like and when do you think they're good to use them and one, okay. one other thing before you get going on your examples would you just take a sentence or two and say for new listeners what street epistemology is wow okay so street epistemology is an approach uh, you take when talking with people about uh, a topic. Often it's sensitive. And so what you're trying to do in street epistemology is you're trying to uncover the methodology in which they're using to reach certain conclusions. And it's not necessarily about uh, talking about conclusions you agree with or disagree with. It's about finding the way they reached their conclusion uh -huh. and 
and, and discussing whether uh, what are the limits of that methodology, whether it, it is solid and it works for how they're using it or it has some limitations or it's just not a, uh, not a very good way to, to determine the truth. And so um, another part of the street epistemology is creating an environment in which people feel very comfortable uh, and talking about sensitive topics. And so that's part of the reason why we use these um, thought exercises is because we, we, we don't necessarily want to spend so much time on that sensitive topic. We want to identify the methodology, extract it, and then play with it a little bit in a non-threatening way. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's go so over it's, some... it's a, their method of gaining knowledge, as, as it were, and evaluating the knowledge that they do get. Exactly. Yeah. How about we okay. go over so some that... examples? Uh, okay. So I kind of want to go over a little brief history of how we got these um, examples. Oh, sure. And I may, yeah. I may make them some mistakes along the way uh, as far as like who did what. But um, I remember the first example uh, Anthony Magnabosca did when trying to show someone the, the idea of truth um, and, how, and what does it mean for something to be true. And so when someone is talking about truth in a way that is, says it's true for me and it's not true for you or it's true for you and not true for me or something like that, right, right, right. Anthony Magnabosca on the fly came up with this idea of an armadillo. Oh, what? An armadillo. <laughs> this is a new one. All right. You, you don't know this? No, I don't know okay. this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You got to go back in his videos, his old, old videos. <laughs> okay. And he was asking someone if we were, can, can an armadillo, uh, be a, uh, can they lay eggs or, or, um, can, do they give birth to their um, younglings like um, without an egg? Like it's a that it's is, a live. Part. That is such a Texas level of yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I bet you people from New York would be like, I have no idea what an armadillo is. Is it a bird? I don't know. Like maybe it does lay eggs. I don't know. Maybe yeah. It's so on a dream. I think the his exact question was like, can can they be both? Uh, is it one or the other? Hmm. Uh, and so it was like a the first example, real world example of like, okay. Uh, it has to be one or the other. It can't be both. And so that was his example of the truth. And then right. from there, I think it involves into a tic tac. Exactly. And I don't know if that was, yeah. Yeah. Keep going, keep going. That's exactly right. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and then, and then it kind of involved to the tic tac analogy. I'm not sure if that was cordial curiosity. What do you mean by the tic tac analogy for yeah. our, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. So, so then, uh, Someone started using Tic Tacs. I think I think it was Anthony Magmosco. It probably happened to have Tic Tacs on him. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, he asked somebody, okay, can we agree that uh, the amount of Tic Tacs in this container oh, yeah. is either even or odd? Uh, and not both. And it can't, can't be both. Right. And this, they would agree, okay, it has to be either or. Um, and then once they get that foundation of, okay, it can't be both. It's not like if I think it's even, it's even. If, if you think it's odd, it's odd. Um, and they would agree to that. And then he would kind of shift that analogy to their, their, their claim or their belief of, can it, can this, is this something that can be true for two people? Or is this something in the external reality that it has to be one? It can't be both. Uh -huh. And then he kind of, uh, 
added on the, the idea that the idea of verif verification. So we can verify these tic tacs. We can pop it open and, and count them if we want to. We don't necessarily know what it is. And so then we, we ask, you know, like, can you verify, um, this particular claim, uh, is true? Can it, can it, uh, be shown to be wrong? And so, um, and then Ty or, um, uh, let's chat. Hi, uh, that's me. Guy, uh, Wombat, he, uh, started talking about flipping a coin, which I think I don't even use Tic Tacs anymore because I think flipping a coin is much easier. Not only that, but we shouldn't give Tic Tacs a sponsorship until we get the money, baby. <laughs> until we get that Tic Tac money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a big So I, I remember I was talking with this gentleman about um, the comfort uh, he gets from uh, a, a certain belief. And it was very interesting because that's seemed to be the, the, the reason why he held the belief is, is the amount of comfort. And so, uh, it was a, it was a little like, um, not on point, but I started to come up with this question where when you flip a coin and you cover up, you don't know, you, you can't see it. Mm, right. Um, what, if I were to give someone, or if I, if I were to give that person five, dollars would it change the the 50-50 chance of whether it's heads or tails oh, I like and they would say no and then i would say okay um what if i give you a hundred dollars if if it was like tails would that change the chance of it being 50 50 no 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 okay well, and i would just keep raising the stakes to a ridiculous amount um say i'll give you a million dollars if it's tails would that change the the probability of 50 50 and they would go no i'm like okay so so the, the investment we have in something doesn't necessarily dictate or control the chances of it, uh, of it being true or not. And so that's, that's the light bulb moment for, for some people that oh, wow. have such an investment in their belief. That is an interesting angle on that. Cause I never even considered it. And yeah, when I came up with yeah, coin I example, like I, I never thought of using it that way. That's see, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Spaghetti Eddie. Yeah. He really gets into them. I would say, listen, I love the armadillo example because it's like the precursor to trying to clarify. Like if you're in Texas, that works. But what if you're in Finland and you have no idea what an armadillo is, right? Like we try to make our examples as, as universal as possible. And that's why I like the switch from armadillo to tic tac and what i like about the tic tac example is you know can we agree that it's either an odd or an even number of tic tacs in this container that is a great way of explaining the three laws of logic law of identity <clears throat> law of contradiction and law of excluded middle without having to get into the particular details of logic mathematics or like pull out 14 philosophy books we can agree that heads is heads we can agree, I'm sorry, we can agree that even is even, we can agree that even isn't odd, and we can agree that it's either even or odd and there's no middle ground there. Like, it's just asking someone, hey, is there, can we agree that this is an even or an odd number of Tic Tacs in this container? Immediately gets us on that fundamental level where we appreciate logic, we understand how logic works, and it's a great starting ground if you're really trying to get to, like, a true answer from a good starting point. Because from, like, a, a starting point that we can agree upon is objectively reliable. And then right. what I like about the coin example as like I would I probably think is like the the another evolutionary step 
one, you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to sell Tic Tacs in every video, <laughs> which yeah. which makes YouTube mm-hmm. ad revenue like really confusing. It's just like, do the do atheists like Tic Tacs? I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> but uh, it also helps when I when I do it, I try to phrase it like, hey, I don't know if it's heads or tails. Do you know if it's heads or tails? And the and typically the response I get is, I don't know, and that starts to set up the I or the appreciation of I don't know as an answer for when you don't know something. And probably the best answer for when you don't know something. And it greases the wheels towards people being more appreciative of saying, I don't know when they don't know something, rather than them knee-jerking a reaction or feeling like they have to stick to a topic or a conclusion if they don't have a reasonable way to get there. And I also find like the coin example is a great way to express why I'm an agnostic atheist myself. Because I know the options are that a God exists or doesn't exist, but I don't have the information to say either way so i don't know it and because of that i'm not convinced that the god does exist that makes me an atheist and it also makes me agnostic and it's the most reasonable way to present that position to people without having to bring up charged words that automatically make them start reacting rather than thinking right you can also use the uh, coin example for agnostic and atheist you can say i don't know what side it is i don't know i cannot tell at Hmm. this point I have no knowledge of it. Right. But I believe it's heads. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean? I do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, actually, um, I think a better example of that would be driving down a road hmm. and hitting a fork. And mm-hmm. and it's a it's a good um, example of uh, logic in the sense that it's either uh, this is real or this is not real. This exists or this does not exist. Um and when you think about it that way, a lot of people think you either have to be, go left or you have to go right. There is no all, other alternative, and they try to like force that on you. But uh, I think the the road example definitely helps show people you don't have to go left and right. You can stop because you you don't have enough information to go either way, mm-hmm. and so you're in this neutral point of I'm not going anywhere. I'm not committing to either one until. I have a good reason. Ooh, that's like a great way of showing yeah. what the null hypothesis is. Like, hey, you might be better yeah, off just is. pulling off the road, checking Google yeah. Maps or a map, and coming to a better conclusion before you make a decision. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's and it great. could be something that you could be stuck at for years. And, you know, but if you're just trying to reach the, you know, the true conclusion, it's okay just to be stopped. And you don't have to go left or right. Yeah. And wait for more evidence. Take a chill yeah. pill. I probably even say like, how about instead of like, and, and this is us just brainstorming. Instead of driving, what if it was like hiking? And you're like, you you want to make sure you don't get lost in the woods. You're trying to get home, and you don't want to just take a a trail that will lead you to absolutely nowhere. So if you get lost and you're like at a fork, you can pull out that map and check the map. You don't have to go left or right just yet. You can like try to get a reliable way to know where to go first before mm-hmm. you keep going. Right, because the further if you make a mistake and you go left instead of right, right, then it's even harder to go to get back on the right track. I like yeah, it. Yeah, and I've heard the best. I've heard the best option in a case like that is just stay put. <laughs> you know, so they can yeah. find you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I don't know is the best answer until you know something. Right. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Okay, uh, Spaghetti Eddie, we're so happy to have you here today. Um, how about this? Do you know about the Ferrari example? And have you ever used it? Yeah, before? that's a good uh, way to start talking about that because uh, the Ferrari example is something we talk about that 
shows the types of steps we, we go from, I don't know to, uh, I'm completely certain. And, and the, the, the real big journey between those, those two. So if you started, I don't know, and you want to, you know, kind of get to a point where you aren't incredibly confident or, or, or get to a point where you're, you're confident to believe it. Um, there are steps in between. And so the great way to show that would be a far example. So you would ask somebody or you would tell somebody I own a Ferrari. Uh, and then you would kind of ask them, do, do you believe me? Right. And you, you get a, and, a range of different answers. And just to help to illustrate the point, you're there in flip flops or Anthony would be there in flip flops. Maybe he's got like his t-shirt <laughs> or, yeah. or, or I'm yeah. there with my Walmart table. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that does come yeah. up. They, yeah. Someone look me up and down and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I'm nah. going to go with mm. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you, you kind of present a confidence scale from zero to hundred. How confident are you that I own a Ferrari? Mm-hmm. And I'll, and I'll be like, uh, okay, I'm at like a 30%. Uh, like, okay. So, and then you would kind of pose questions like what would, con- what get you more confident than I own a Ferrari? Right. And instead of telling them, what if I did this? What if I showed that? What if this happened? You, you kind of just let them explore oh, it. Oh, that's it's- so different from how I use it. That's so interesting. Okay. Okay. Keep going, please. Please, I'm because they're um, not, they might surprise you with certain certain things um, that they pose. Uh, like I think it ultimately ends up with if you if you spend enough time on at it, it's like I need to see the title. Uh, that's like mm-hmm. the, the ticket to that is your Ferrari. But there's a bunch of steps along the way that people look at what you wear. People look at where you where what city are you in? What you know? Um, uh, they'll ask. Okay, if I saw you driving in it, and then. You might ask, well, okay, is it possible for me to drive in it and it not be mine? Like, right. oh yeah. Right. So it's this, in, it's this thought process that they get to start thinking about and and kind of value going from zero to a hundred. And in that sense, they're valuing doubt uh, exactly. because you don't you don't just want to just believe someone saying something that's kind of. Uh, extraordinary not not too extraordinary but um that's pretty out there but you also want to let let them you know figure out what it's what it's going to take to get them uh higher in the confidence because it's, we're talking about their confidence and so we don't necessarily get to tell them what's going to make them more confident and at a certain um, point they won't go to 100 percent because they'll realize that you could always fake a title you could always fake having a keychain you could always just borrow your friend's car and be driving it around like you could have always borrowed a key fob and just maybe that sound of a car honking in the parking lot isn't the ferrari maybe it's the car next to it so like mm-hmm. you're always open to some sort of doubt which is great but then after you bring up all the evidences that you that you would have to like even get them to like maybe even 80%. You go back to the God belief that they have and you realize that they have no evidence aside from a book of people saying, well, this happened, <laughs> which is not, which yeah. is comparatively interesting because they're a hundred, they might be a hundred percent on God just because of a book saying God exists, but they will be 85% yeah. on you owning a Ferrari, which is much more mundane, but you have all this evidence to support it, yet they aren't as confident. And that's a very well, great contrast for them. And there's another whole level to this. It doesn't cost them anything to believe that you have a Ferrari. Boom. Yeah, it's true. And if you're talking about religion, it can cost you a whole lot. Oh, yeah. You know, 10% of your income, you know, time every week, time in prayer, time talking to people, time reading about it. Um, 
you know, and your purpose in life. I mean, there's all kinds of costs to believing in a, in a supernatural being. Yeah, there's a lot of investment. Um, another thing to really drive the, drive it home, and I think um, Reed from Cordial Curiosity did this, um, if you put, put more stake in the question and you say, okay, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to make three claims, not just one. I'm going to say, I own a Ferrari. You give me your percentage of how confident you are. I'm gonna, then I'm going to say, I own um, a space shuttle. Um, and then you'll say, I own a Honda Civic. And so they get to uh, assign confidence levels based off of the claims you're making. And so it kind of drives in this um, point of extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. It's not uh-huh. the, the claim right. that I own a car is not the same uh, evidence you need to uh, hash out that that claim versus uh, I own a space shuttle. Right. Uh, it takes a lot more to get there. And I and I I've actually taken a diversion from the Ferrari example to like saying I own a cat. Like, would you believe me if I own a cat? And people would say, Yeah, sure, I own a cat. And I was like, If I showed you a picture of me having the cat, would you believe it? And they're like, Yeah, sure, because people own cats, it's not a big deal. But then I say, I own a tiger. Would you believe me? And I have the same picture of me and the tiger hanging out, and his name's Marshall. You want to check that out? People will be like, I don't believe it. I would need more evidence than just a picture. And I was like, Cool. What if I said I had a dragon from Jupiter and he came in a time machine? And I have a picture of me and the dragon. He's purple, and we have a DeLorean in the background. Do you believe us now? They'll be like, No, it's Photoshop. And that's a great way for me to revisit the concept of it seems like the more extraordinary the the example that I'm presiding you, the more extraordinary evidence you require before you right. can even begin to believe it. And they'd be like, yeah, that, sh- that seems to be the case. And it's a good it's both good as a thought experiment and as a good way to gently deal with counter apologetics when someone says, well, I believe it because 12 apostles said so. It's like, well, 12 apostles said I had a purple dragon from space. Would you believe that? It's like, no. Because that's not enough evidence for me to believe an extraordinary claim like that. And then it's easy to say, hey, what's more extraordinary, your God or my me owning a purple dragon? Like, what's more extraordinary? It's like, obviously, God's more extraordinary than you owning a, like a dragon, any dragon. Well, then why don't you have more extraordinary evidence to support it if you won't even use that evidence to believe that I have a dragon? And... Of course, you wouldn't phrase it like that, but that is the idea of that thought experiment. And to see examples of how these are being used, if anyone's interested, go on ahead and check out Deep Discussions channel on YouTube. Uh, we're going to go for a break real quick. Uh, Spaghetti Eddie, you want to plug your channel real quick for anyone who wants to see all these cool thought experiments in action? Yeah, so uh, I run a YouTube channel. It's called Deep Discussions. It's uh, uh, it's where I post all my videos. I'm also pretty active on Twitter, which is uh, Deep Discussion One. I did change my name to Spaghetti Eddie because I don't always se. I like to, you know, argue a little bit as well. So nice. Um, yeah, yeah, and I do have a Facebook uh, page, but I'm not very active. I'd, I would probably just stick to Twitter. Cool, cool. All right, we're gonna go on to the break. This is WOZO. 103.9 FM, low power, out of Knoxville. We're going to take you out with some music and then come right back for more talks with Spaghetti Eddie and the gang. See you guys next time. Or see you after the break. <laughs> You're listening to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on Wozo 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. Feel free to join in on the conversation at 865-333-5937. That's 865 333 
1-800-227-5937. And now, back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Five, and this is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio, Radio LPFM 103.9, right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is November 3rd, 2019. If it's not, then you're listening to a rebroadcast of the show or a podcast, and you should not try to call in. Okay, now let's talk about the free thought groups that you can join right here in Knoxville. First, there's the Atheist Society of Knoxville. Founded in 2002, we're in our 17th year, and we have 980 members now, nearly 1,000. You can join us online at knoxvilleatheist.org, or you can join us in in person at a weekly meetup, which happens every Tuesday, at Barley's Taproom and Pizzeria in the Old City, Knoxville, where we get together for food, drink, and conversation. Everyone is welcome as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thank you, Atheist Experience. By the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you can still go to meetup.com and search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one? Start one. Another large free-thinking group here in Knoxville are the Rationalists of East Tennessee, R-E-T, and they've been around for more than 20 years. They have bi-weekly presentations and discussions at the Pellissippi State Campus near Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays at the Goins Administration Building. Too much information? Just go to rationalist.org and click on Upcoming Events. There's also the Sunday Assembly, which is a church-type gathering for non-believers that started in England just a few years ago and is now um, spread around the world. They only meet once a month on the fourth Sunday down at the World Spirit Park at the International Building. And uh, earlier in the show, we said we'd talk about the Atheist Call-In Television Show broadcasting here in Knoxville. Well, it's called Free Thought Forum, and you can see it most every Wednesday between 6.30 and 7.30 on Comcast Channel 12 or Charter Channel 192. Or you can watch it streaming online, for that matter, at ctvnox.org. That's really great. You can also, One of these days, yep. you're going to have to tell me we have that show. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to watch it. You can also find archive of some of those shows on YouTube where a fan has been posting them. Just go to YouTube and search for three words. Free Thought Forum, Knoxville. Also, if you're interested in getting involved in the TV or the radio show, just come to an Ask Meetup or RET meeting and talk to us about it. You can be our next co-host or guest. With us today on today's show is the Wombat, our usual co-host, and Spaghetti Eddie, guest. How are you, Spaghetti? Doing all right. I don't know what Spaghetti sounds like, but... uh... (laughs) And also, Shoe Pebbler is joining us on this half. Say hello, Shoe. Good morning or afternoon, wherever you're at. Nice. And back to the topic, thought experiments. Uh, You want to carry it away there, Spaghetti Eddie? Sure. Um, So there's a couple other um, thought experiments um, that I I, um, cover. So I kind of named them off um, to let you guys know. So there's a jambalaya. Uh, thought oh, exercise. I love this one. You have to talk about this one. I love this because I heard you okay. do this one first, and I was like, "That's brilliant. That's really, really brilliant. I like it." <laughs> um, Is that yours? Then, did you come up with that one? By the way, I, I think. Well, the example of jambalaya, yeah. I did. Nice. But the idea, idea behind it, no, obviously. Okay, go for it. Please explain that one. Um, okay, so when we 
uh, when I have these talks um, with people, uh, I'm really trying to get to the foundational reason why they hold a belief. Um, and a lot of times people will give reasons for why they believe it, but it's not necessarily something that's, that's essential for, uh, to, to their belief and what gives them confidence. It's not what so one of the questions, confidence in exactly. Yeah. 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 So, uh, one of the ways I try to identify what is the foundational reason of, of, of their belief or their conclusion or their stance, um, is, uh, I'll ask them if this wasn't true or if this wasn't the case, would this drop your confidence, drop you in your confidence? Um, and a lot of times people will be like, no, you know, that's not really necessary. I'll still be just as confident or wouldn't affect me too much. Um, and so, um, uh, then you'll go on to ask, well, what is, what is, you know, giving you confidence then? And then you slowly kind of start, you know, going through everything to identify if, if X weren't true, they would be less confident. Mm -hmm. Um, and a better way to go about this, uh, well, actually I, I started to try to play with an idea that wasn't so, uh, sensitive, uh, um, in, when we were talking about their belief, it's very, it's very sensitive. So I, I want to come up with a thought of exercise to, to deal with this idea of a foundational belief. And so I came up with, um, this jambalaya uh, thought <laughs> exercise. And the reason I picked jambalaya is because there's a lot of ingredients in, in jambalaya, sure. but there's only certain ingredients that make it spicy. Right. And so when I, uh, I'm trying to explain to them why I'm asking these questions, I'm not necessarily, cause it feels like I'm undercutting their belief and it's scary. So by informing them why I'm asking um, them of this, it, it helps the process. And so I'll ask them, okay, have you ever had jambalaya? And uh, most people have, uh, and they know that it's a spicy dish. So I'll ask um, if, a, if you wanted a jambalaya, but you didn't want it spicy um, and you wanted to take out, you know, the spicy ingredients, and you went to the chef and you said, what is spicy in this jambalaya? And they said, hmm, um, it's actually the bell peppers. Yeah. Um, and then you say, okay, we'll take out the bell pepper. If you took out the bell peppers, is it still pretty spicy? And if the chef says, well, yeah, it's still, still going to be very spicy. Your, the conclusion is, well, that's not really, the bell peppers aren't really contributing to how spicy it is. What can I take away that's going to make it less spicy? Can I so, rephrase? Could I? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, when I when I heard you say it, it was like, hey, so just to explain what I'm doing here, I'm just trying to figure out what you're resting your confidence on. Sort of like if we ordered a dish that was spicy and you're like, I don't want spicy food. So we agree that like the the green peppers in this dish are what's making it spicy. But when we take out the green peppers, it's just as spicy. So then we can say, like, maybe it wasn't the green peppers at all. Maybe it was a different ingredient. And in the same way, I'm just trying to figure out what really are you resting your confidence on? And that's what I mean by if this wasn't the case, would you believe it just as much? Would that belief be just as spicy, more or less? Right. And so when I when I shifted back to um, the topic at hand and they give me a no, that wouldn't decrease my confidence. And I, I usually say and I'm very blunt. Oh, that isn't, that's probably not why you're, why you're confident then. And so this is internal dialogue for them about what it's going to take for them to be less confident. What is, what is the core foundational pillar that is like, this is why I'm so confident. Hmm. And so, yeah, that's the jambalaya uh, thought exercise. 
I like it a lot. When you do it, when you do it in an example, there's so much. You have to see, you have to see Spaghetti Eddie at work because when he's doing his talks, it's just such a, a really peaceful conversational chat that he's having with guys and the back and forth that he's having with his um, interview partners. It's so easy going. And so I highly recommend you check out Deep Discussions. Um, I also do an example that's sort of like outlining what I'm doing where I'll say pretzels or chips. Um, basically, it's like, I'll, I'll, before I phrase a lot of questions, I'll be like, and I'm just asking this question, like, for example, if you said you like chips, I'll be like, well, have you tried pretzels? And then it's that kind of conversation that we're about to have. Like, and, and that's more or less that whole thought experiment. It's just showing like, hey, I'm going to try to think of things that maybe you haven't given your, yourself an opportunity to think about and we'll discuss it. But I'm not trying to tell you that you're wrong. I'm just trying to hopefully open up uh, your mind if you tend to be you know, absolutely focused on just one thing. Um, Shoe Pebbler has some examples too. Shoe Pebbler, you love thought experiments as well. Do you have any good ones you'd like to bring up? Actually, we had one we talked about a little earlier, but I wouldn't say it's perfected, so I'll leave it at that. No, you are going to bring it up on the show right now. <laughs> I, You can't be shy. You called in. You can't lurk the whole show. Let's go. <laughs> what do you got? All right. So the premise was, that you your back is to an accident okay. okay you didn't see the accident happen and yet somebody comes up to you at the last minute and says hey there's going to be somebody coming up here who's going to say hey did you see this accident what happened and this the answers are in this book all you have to do is flip to the page for this date this time and it'll tell you exactly what happened 100 percent positive wow would you believe that book yeah, I would want to see the book. Yeah, like right now, I'm so skeptical. As an atheist, I'm like super, super skeptical. I imagine as a Christian, they would probably be skeptical too. I think that'd probably be the best thing. Uh, I yeah, I think they would sh they would have some skepticism for that. Also, maybe a, a question for that would be: Would you want to read this book, or would you want to see the security camera footage of this Ooh. of the parking lot? <laughs> That's good. Different states of evidence. That's nice. I like it. Yeah, like, what's a good way to figure out what happened in this accident? Looking at the police report? Looking at video? Or reading this book that was written 40 years ago? You know, like, what do you think is the best way to figure this 2000 out? 2,000 years ago. 2,000. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're going to start triggering people when you, <laughs> when, you know. when you immediately go there. But you do 40, they won't realize it yet. But if you say, like, 40, what about 2,000 years ago? Like, then people will be like, oh, well, then that one's right. It's like, how's that right if it's even older than the 40-year-old book? Yeah, it's a good setup for that. <laughs> Um, I like that example. And I think we should keep working on all the examples that we brought up today. I have one that, so like, uh, shoe peddlers one is like a really good way for, um, bringing up a specific, not just an example, but also to highlight different, to highlight a critique against using the Bible as your source of evidence. It's like a very focused thought example. I have a focused thought example that I'd like to get some feedback on as well. It's called the light bulb example. Have you guys at Deep Discussions, are you familiar with it? Oh, yeah. I saw you do it. It was beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So this uh -huh. one I came up with, I'm still working on it, but it's it basically an argument against um, when I hear an argument for design, it's a critique or response to an argument from design. And the the basis of it is just to show why simplicity is the hallmark of design. And I think it's the, and people will typically say, the universe is so complex <laughs> that it has to be made by a creator because only a creator would design something this complex. And so I would say in response to that, it's like, oh man, that's really interesting. Hey, I have an example. Can I bring something up? 
if I had two light bulbs, they make the same amount of light, and but one takes one step to screw into a hole, and the other one takes 40,000 steps to screw into a hole, but they both do the same thing, which would you say is better designed? And immediately the, the, the response I always get is, well, the one that has the fewer number of steps, the, the one-step light bulb. And I'm like, it seems to be the case that we gravitate towards simplicity. Like, simplicity is the hallmark of design and not complex things. So why are you pointing at something that's very complex as an example of great design when we know that we like things to be designed simply or that we value simplicity in design? And it tends to get people to at least backtrack off the argument from design and go on to the next argument that they have, but they stop using the argument from complexity or the argument from design just off of that. And it tends to be a good way to deal with that specific thing without me saying, actually, you're using the argument from complexity. That's why you're wrong. <laughs> you can actually get them to think about it themselves. Um, what do you think? Round table. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely like it because it's it, it puts them in a real world example of something that's simple yet works and something that complex complex yet works. And so it's not so much more impressive that it's complex. What's impressive is it works and and it's less impressive the more steps you take to do it exactly exactly and we can always think of a more simple universe or a less complex universe maybe one without where where men have nipples (laughs) (laughs) that's substantially like substantially less complex than it is now but yet we have them so like what does it really say about the world if i can come up with a more simpler universe compared to the one that we have right now is that a good argument for design or good argument from complexity um yeah i i have an interesting analogy that's very specific and it has to do with speciation so it's a little Mm -hmm. deep if you don't know understand evolution um uh, it may not entirely make sense but it's did you just uh, say if we don't understand evolution do you know who's on this on this show we got we got doubter five we got i'm not saying you guys i'm saying like (laughs) Like, you know, anyone listening. We, we have a smart crowd. We have a smart crowd. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, there was a point when I was in college and I was thinking about evolution and it just seemed like, okay, this seems to be the case, um, but I, I can't quite figure out exactly how speciation happens. Hmm. And, you know, I'm hearing people talk about how, you know, uh, uh, I monkey giving birth to a human and it's kind of confusing when when does it start and all that stuff and uh one example was that that i read was like following a like a a rainbow of color when does the red become orange when does the orange become yellow it's not quite clear yeah Um, it just has to do with our definitions and so that that was a very good example of uh how things aren't so clear but I, i started thinking about what is the best way to explain how species change and, 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 and part. And I thought of this idea of language. So when we study language, uh, we understand that certain languages start from other languages. And and if we we start, yeah, so we start real simple. We'll see like the way people talk in Texas is a little different than the way they talk in California, the way people talk in the United States is a little different than the way people talk in Europe, even though it's technically the same language. Mm-hmm. And if you, and now we go back in time, it's like, okay, I don't necessarily understand like, you know, 
uh, a play, you know, hundreds of years ago, but I can, I can kind of understand some things they're saying. Right. And so sure. you go even further back and further back and you, you realize that like, let's say for example, Spanish came from, uh, Latin. And so the question, the good question to ask would be, did a Latin speaking mother ever give birth to a Spanish speaking baby? <laughs> right. And, no, and, the, like and the obvious answer is no, they speak the same language as their parents. And so the realization is that, uh, language, there's this barrier in time, a hundred years in the past, a hundred years in the future that moves with you. So you're probably going to be able to understand people a hundred years ago, but if you, you know, if you go for there's some point that you're not going to be able to understand someone and in the, in the future as well. And that's kind of how you want to view speciation. Uh, if, if you separate someone who speaks the same language uh, and they don't ever talk to the groups, never talk to each other, eventually they're not going to be able to understand each other. Right. And in the same way, speciation is, uh, they're separated. They're not going to be able to reproduce because I, it's just mm -hmm. too far. And That's I, excellent. And I, love I like that. that. I love that too. I also like mm -hmm. this conversation because it's like finally a chance to like really think about like how we break down really complex terms. Because you can you can throw that example out without having to bring up biology or you know uh, biochemistry, DNA, all that stuff. And anyone can easily understand that. That that's what I love about you know um, Spaghetti Eddie's approach to making up analogies. I also like. I have had that issue. I've had that conversation with someone. I had not used the language example, but I did notice that they were fine with believing evolution, but they didn't want to believe that humans evolved, which was like the distinction that we realized, like maybe about seventy five percent into the well, chat. That's because it would invalidate the book of Genesis. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like they're like, I'm okay. fine with dogs evolving, but humans yeah. don't. We're different. We're not animals. Right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, if we agree that evolution, like, I, I, I think we premise the talk with like, what's evolution? It's like the slow change over time, right? And I'm like, do you look exactly like your parents? And I was like, no. Do your kids look exactly like you? No. Huh? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Which is not a persuasive way to tackle that. That was before I got into SE. But I was like, you know what? I'm so like, I have such a moratorium on like people who don't believe in evolution that I'm more in, I'm more, cons I will, I'm willing to, the next time this is up, just pull out my phone and be like, Siri, what's the third law of biology? And <laughs> it'll just be like things evolve through evolutionary processes. I'm like, great. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Just moving on. Um, hey, uh, let's 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 hit another classic. Are you familiar with the uh, or the the evolution of the bottled water example? The puddle of water? No, the bottle water. Bottle water. For my truth to deal with, like, oh, it's true for me. Are you familiar? Um, with that? No, I don't think so. I bet if I explain this, you guys would all remember. Or, well, there's a video that Anthony did where, uh, and this is. This is highlighting the things that he can do that I can't do. <laughs> he was talking to a lady and the lady's like, I think it's true for me that blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay. And you think it's real because it's true to you. It's like, yes, it's real because it's true to me. It's like, if it's true to anyone, then it is real. Like we all have our own, you know, personal truths. And when it's tr true to us, then it is true. And, and so what uh, Anthony did was he reached out and he grabbed the water bottle that this lady was holding 
And he held on to it. And he's like, if it was true to me that this water bottle belonged to me, would it belong to me? And then the lady just like stared at him for like <laughs> a good like 10 seconds. She's like, give me back my water bottle. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, that's a really good way of, uh, of showing like, hey, personal yeah, truths are like necessarily that. objective truths. <laughs> I found a, um, a less confrontational way of doing that by taking the bottled water uh, um, example and turning it from like a physical taking of something to an example or a story where I say like, if I believe if it's, if it's personally true to me, or if it's justified just for me that a, that a bottle of water and gasoline are the same thing. If it's true to me that gasoline and water are the same thing, how far would I be able to drive on a gas tank full of Aquafina? And typically they say not very far. So it's like, it's not necessarily the point that if it's just true to me, that it is objectively true and that we might live in a world that has, you know, clear objective truths, definitely not one that operates on subjective truths. So why use the argument? Well, it's true to me, or I don't have to justify it for anyone except for me as a argument for something being objectively true. A more extreme example of something like that would be like, all right, so if I put on my virtual reality goggles and Ooh. drive my car, oh, is, wow. it, is everything going to work out? <laughs> no, <laughs> hopefully no. Hopefully no one will try that. Do you ever use, um, do you ever use sorry, do you ever use um, counter apologetics in any of your conversations, or have you are you familiar with like like good ways to respond to like the clock the watch the watchmaker argument and stuff like that? Um, here's the thing: counter apologetics yeah. um, is you, you, the essence of what they're uh, doing mm-hmm. can be put in a question format exactly, and so uh, I think everything about se can is kind of like counter apologetic in some way it's just a it's just the approach right absolutely like like for example um people can argue all day about prophecy and what and whether it makes sense or not or you can ask questions to to see at what stage does prophecy become prophecy so like uh for example i think matt dillahunty is the one who coined some some of these questions but they're they're great questions so like if i go to a restaurant and i tell the waiter i want a medium rare steak and it comes out medium rare did i fulfill prophecy yeah and it's a it's a good like straw not straw man but it's a good like um example of how that's obviously not prophecy it's not that easy mm-hmm. so um and i actually used that in one of my talks and then I, uh, he understood the problem. He's like, oh, I don't really know if that's prophecy or not. And then I asked another question that uh, was basically like this. Um, if I always, if I, if I predicted that my great, great grandchild was going to be named David and I passed away right? and, and they named him David, did I, you know, fulfill prophecy? Yeah. And what they're what they should figure out is if if other people are working to fulfill the prophecy doesn't necessarily work and it's, it's not like you know not anything divine yeah is it a plan or is it a prophecy i was listening to you use that example on one of your talks while i was in the or just walking through the park and i'm like oh my gosh i know what he's like i know what you're saying 
and I know what so like I knew what the guy who you were talking to was thinking because I was thinking oh he's showing you why you're wrong with this thought example it's so good and then the other guy's like he's quiet but like I'm saying like oh I already know what he's thinking do you here's a here's a silly question do you ever get so lucid when you're giving out the thought experiment where it's just like oh man this guy is he's throwing out like three different reasons why he's confident but it's really just like i already have like the 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 ways to dismantle all three of these arguments i'm just going to go straight into the tic tac so then i'll follow up with jambalaya and then we'll end on i don't know the rainbow color and i think we'll be good with this guy do you ever get it, it sometimes it, it does feel like that it's like okay boom 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 but, <laughs> but like you know just like it's like jab jab you know right hook but right 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 like we but, just think about the combinations we don't even think about individual punches anymore it's just like no just boom you have to be careful with that though because yeah. as you look into the future and you think they're going to say something um there that's more common yeah. they may not do that and so you're you're going to be asking you might ask a question that really doesn't make any sense so you really have to you might have an idea of where you're going to go but it's like you take it step by step right. and you really listen to what they're saying. And so, you know, it, yeah. it, it tends to go in a certain direction, but you never really want to assume it does or else you're going to get in trouble of just right. not asking good questions. Right. Yeah, Christian apologists tend to do that a lot. They they follow a script <sighs> and then all you got really got to do is just get them off, stri- off script and then they're all tripped up. In, in another way, uh, on the opposite, and some people just bring up things that I've never heard of, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I love and those. I, it's equivalent to, like, being an escape artist. You're like, <laughs> okay. You're like, I'm all tied up. How? What's the first step? How do I get out of it? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the fun ones. Stop those, are the, those are the really fun <laughs> yeah. conversations. Because yeah. I get tired of the ones where it's just like, I believe it because of my gut instincts. And then he gets up, he walks away. And someone else gets, sits down and is like, well, I believe it because of my gut instincts. You're like, this conversation again? Have you ever used unconventional paths on a line of reasoning or an example that you already know what the well-trodden path is? Like, for example, if you if you are situated with someone who's clearly you know could be res- could could have their dissonance resolved with the ferrari example you will start with the ferrari example but then experiment with it just to see if you can do something or optimize it or go into more interesting territory have you ever had that happen um i think some sometimes it 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 kind of branches off a little bit mm. where you end up talking about um the specifics of of the thought exercise, um, but it, it usually doesn't um, result in anything. It's it's more like I had to explain it. Like, yeah, that's usually the result of me not asking it clearly, and that, that happens sometimes. Where sure. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. You know, uh, let let me ask it more precisely, and then you know, like people get stuck on like the tic tac exercise. Well, what if it's like a half a tic tac and all that stuff? And that and right. that's kind of why I use the uh, I coin toss now because it's it's a straightforward you oh, know yeah i love the coin oh, toss use marbles you know and you won't have to use tic tac for the copyright just don't say you lost yeah. your marbles <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if i lost all my marbles how many would i have mm-hmm. um, are you guys are you guys aware of um the when talking about fine-tuning the puddle of water analogy yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so <laughs> i mean it, it is perfect it's one of those perfect ones where it's like okay you know the water fits perfectly in this hole and um and 
for the water to think that the hole was created for it doesn't really make sense. And they, you don't even think about the other water that goes away and evaporates and all that stuff. So it's a great analogy of uh, thinking that you are the mold um, or, or thinking that everything else is the mold, not you. And um, my attempt to kind of explain this is not as good as the puddle. But I did think about, like, if you're, if, if someone laid like concrete and then um 10 years later there's a little blade of glass uh, blade of grass that grew through does it make sense to say that man this blade of grass is just so uh it fits perfectly through this crack that it had to be planted there uh and, and if it was planted a little to the left it wouldn't work if it was planted a little to the right it wouldn't work uh, it can't just be by chance that this plant was, you know, just uh, this blade of grass, you know. Uh, yeah, so many believers, so many believers would say, yeah, God knows every blade of grass. You know, yeah, and so the other alternative is, well, the other places that it was planted, it wouldn't be able to grow, and this is the one that could. So that's what happened, and so that, and a lot of times you can look at it, uh, look at our planet and our solar system, and life grew where it could sort of thing. Right. And then I started thinking about like, okay, what's a better way to show what people are doing with fine tuning. What they're doing is pointing to the top of the, of the grass and going, look, everything had to work out for this grass to, you know, th this blade of grass to get there. And so the, the best way to show what they're doing is to ask them, point out other things and, and say, start from the ground up rather than from the top of the blade of the grass down. Like, Hey, here's a crack. There's a, well, what they're doing there. is they're starting at the top. And so you want to see, you want to show them how this doesn't work. Hmm. So like, I might ask what's, uh, how, if the, if the universe was fine tuned for plastic, what would that look like? Well, that's funny. It would probably look like this. Was... We're really great at making plastic. <laughs> <laughs> if the, if the universe was fine tuned for a rock, what does that look like? And so they, they kind of start to see that what we're, we're playing this game of it's already here. So let's just work backwards and see how, how, how it got here. And so they view basically a stack of cards, uh, and it's just so precise. And if it changed in any way, it would all just crumble. But they're... so when people are talking about how, how crazy it is for uh, a stack of cards to be stacked up in the right way, it's important to point out how other stacks of cards uh, achieve the same thing, and they're all here. And maybe not to view it as a stack of cards, but the top of a blade of grass, and there's just grass everywhere. Nice. So we have to figure out. So figure think, out. Yeah. That was good. So I think the main takeaway is that we're still thinking about these things, and I think you should too. Larry, how about we close out the show? Sure. This Larry, what you got? Good. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour and WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville. Remember, everybody's going to somebody else's hell. And to worry about it when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And this is the end of the show. We'll see you next week. Next Bye. Wednesday night. Bye-bye. Radio Hour. Simply the best. Thank you for having me. WOZO LP 103.9 FM. Knoxville.